I've always had people say to me, oh, oh God, I can't believe I just told you that. Or I've never told anyone that, but I just told you. Or, you know, I just feel like telling you everything. And I've had people get like angry with me because they opened up too much. This conversation touches on quite a lot of complicated things like mental health issues, fat phobia, rape and sexual assault, systems of oppression, things like that. It does so in quite a light way. There's no descriptions or anything like that, but it does talk about those kinds of issues from time to time. And I wanted to give people the heads up on that. I had a book, a notebook when I was 11, maybe. I would cut out from magazines questions, you know, like teenage magazines where they'd interview a boy band. It'd be like a Q&A basically with like a question and then the answers from every member of the band. I would cut out the questions, put them into the notebook and then answer the questions because no one asked me questions. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better, better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Sophie Hagen. Hello, Sophie. Hello. <laughs> it's, a re- it's always really weird um, going into that first kind of setup because I've always like been talking to the person, said oh, hello, yeah. all of that stuff, and then <laughs> then it's like now we're officially in we a are. podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find it weird to not be the host of the podcast. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Not- right. I'm trying to be like a nice guest instead of. Yeah, I find it really weird when I go on someone's podcast as well. It's yeah, it's it's and and dangerous as well because when I'm in control, if you like, uh, then I I don't sort of speak without thinking. Yeah. But I go on someone else's podcast and I listen back to it later. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> like, and also if I say something I don't like, I cut it. Yeah. But somebody else doesn't. Fair enough. Yeah. That's their podcast. They can do what they like. I support them in doing that. Um, <laughs> so the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? My first memory of you, of meeting you, probably isn't the first time, which is really shitty of me. But it but, must be through um, the storytelling night, right? Spark? Yeah, Spark. But I'm sure we must have met before then. Right. So when do, I, I, I was aware of you for a while. Like I'm We have quite a few <laughs> mutual friends. And also, yeah, you were kind of hitting it. I guess if that's a comfortable thing for me to say, like hitting like some level of success. Depends like, when, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It was actually, it was before, it was while you were doing your first show, Bubble Wrap, you were... Yes. Um, so the first time I remember meeting you was after seeing Bubble Wrap at the Edinburgh Festival. Oh. It was in a, it was in a weird room because you had that... Oh, it was a horrible room. Yeah, you had to move around. Oh, my you? God, it was the worst, and yeah. And you were in the worst... Yeah, you were, you, were, you were in the worst of the rooms that you had to do that festival. Yeah. And it was a weird time and oh. everything. Yeah. Um, and, like, me and the stand-up tragedy crew, um, as, as was in those days... Um, like we went along because uh, we'd heard so many great things about it and I just was like blown away like oh. properly blown away by it like I can't I can't actually think of another comedy show that has blown me away to the level that that show did oh, thank you. and then afterwards you stand outside and say hello to everybody and I just I think I did speak to you but I was at the most like overwhelmed by oh. how cool I thought you were in oh, that moment 
Um, which, you know, is, it's not a level of strength to kind of say, hey, uh, I do a show, would you like to like, do it? Oh, I yeah. think I probably said that vaguely or like whatever, but like, I probably didn't even get out a word like that was co- coherent. Well, it's fun because a lot of people have stories about meeting me when I say when I said goodbye to people at that show. And I remember very little of it because I had just been on stage and right. there were so many people because it was a 500 seater right. and that wasn't meant to happen. So I was just saying goodbye. So many people would come up, say a sentence and leave and I'd still be handing out a badge to the person before that. Or So there's a lot of people where I just went, oh my God, I can't. Like I, uh, my friend Mark, uh, Mark Watson, I said to him, he told me a, a year ago or so that he saw my first show. And I said, oh, my God, I didn't know you were there. That's amazing. Oh, my God, thank you. And then when I thought about it, like, I was like, oh, we, we spoke. Like, right. We had a full conversation. And I think I was just so blown away because that whole festival was so overwhelming as well. Well, if you don't know someone as well, then you have a very different conversation oh, with yeah. them before you know them. Yeah. So, yeah, like... I mean, so yeah, the other the other way I know you is through Spark. You've done a few kind of true stories with us, and again as well, I I kind of work in similar areas to you, or not quite, mm. like not fully. So like I'm I'm not a comedian. Uh, well, maybe I am a bit, but I try not to be. Um, <laughs> storytelling is one of the things that you do that like has really resonated with. In fact, I, I mean, I'll lay my cards, cards on the table, which is probably clear already. I am incredibly like starstruck by <laughs> you, um, even though I've met you a few times. I've conversations. I, I do, yeah, as well. Consider us to be friends. Uh, but but it, but like. The, the things you do it's, it's a jealousy thing I think on some level it, it's like I mean hopefully I, I don't act horribly about it but it's definitely like there's not I've had a lot of conversations with comedians most of them don't do anything that I would want to do mm-hmm. like I admire their craft I, I like what they do but you do true storytelling within your comedy and you also you may know, make a podcast and the podcast mm-hmm. that you make is kind of what this show is yeah. but a lot later on in terms of years like I started this in 2011 yeah. but <laughs> as soon as it happened like you've got an audience it's kind of it, it makes you some money like I've been doing this for like coming up seven years and I get like five pounds a month from somebody on PayPal that's it um, and, and also the, did you know that the first I don't know maybe 10 20 episodes my first question was how did we meet exactly <laughs> no it was because I listened to it from the start and also you should have flagged it up right, and like no, no no I didn't mind like I didn't mind I was just really happy for you which is and, uh, not not how I normally feel when I'm jealous of someone so that's a good thing yeah. um, or at least it's how I try to feel now but it's not traditionally been my my, my jealousy uh, behaviour of choice but yeah like it's it, yeah the first question was that was the same as mine but also um, after a little while you got a theme tune which uh, yeah. includes the words getting better like oh like, yeah right <laughs> I mean, your your theme tune on Made of Human is much more magnanimous. It's it's about we're it, it will get better. We'll all get better. Whereas my theme tune is like I need to get better, make me better. Um, so it's a bit more like uh, yeah, I'm much more needy in my in my approach to getting better. I feel like I should give you ten percent of all my <laughs> no no no, you definitely shouldn't. Um, but but yeah, it was also like a long form conversation podcast where you were really getting into 
who people were and you were talking to like it's a conversation which is one of the things that I try to make my show although hopefully I'm not talking you know it's better than when it's not a one-sided conversation <laughs> where I do all the talking um, which we'll see how it goes today like I said I'm nervous so I'll probably talk more no, um, but at the same time you know I like what I really like is if I got a, like a, a cis man on, on my podcast I really don't worry about talking too yeah, much yeah. like if it is everybody else yeah. that makes me nervous um, I feel like that as well I'm always very um Oh, you know what? I think I'm just going to tell a 20-minute story because we've heard all of this before. Right, but people kind of know you as well yeah. when they're going in. So they kind of want to hear you. Like, sometimes I feel like sometimes... Like, I've got, I have got a regular audience. Like, uh, after after seven years, you get a regular audience. But I, I, I'm very aware that a lot of people who come to my podcast come because of my guests. They don't really know me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they don't want to hear me. They want to hear but the that guests. Was my, whole, my whole point with, my, with Made of Human was that I... I kind of like I tr- I keep tr- I keep calling it interviews, but I don't want to call it interviews. I want to call it chats because mm. it has to be me as well. Because otherwise, you know, it's it doesn't really. I mean, that sounds so egotistical, but it doesn't help me. Right. You know, if I because I can ask all the good questions, I can be an excellent yeah, interviewer. Yeah. But you know, then what am I doing? <laughs> you well, know? you are an excellent interviewer. I want, like, I want. That's clear in what you do. You ask really great questions, but you put yourself within it. Yeah, it's right. That's right. I think it's because, you know how this, you must get, you must also be annoyed by this when people are like, oh, everyone has a podcast now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes. Like, yes, of course. It's like an email address. It's like, oh, I like this person. I want to know, have more them in my life. Right. I'm so happy when I discover a new comic or a new person where I think, oh my god, I love this person. Oh, they have a podcast. Yes, that's like you know, fifty episodes of just hearing them talk. Right. So that's the same thing. I was like, I, I know that my format isn't groundbreaking. It's like most podcasts are just two people, especially comedians, talking, and yeah. that's fine. But <laughs> there's no podcast where I'm the host. Right. <laughs> so absolutely. that's what I wanted. Right, and it's also like you know, when you have a conversation or a chat. It's a it's a co-creation, right? You're both part of it. You're yeah. kind of like giving some power to the person you're talking to. People kind of think sometimes that you know the best way is to ask the questions and to not insert yourself. But actually, you don't give the other person any power to control the the direction yeah. the conversation goes unless you put some of yourself in. Yeah, kind of allow yourself to be a bit vulnerable too. Yeah, and you get very vulnerable yeah. conversations from people as yeah. well. Like like my, my show can really vary on that because I will you know I'm very I don't like to kind of ask questions without knowing that that's okay I guess mm. I'm very kind of nervous and anxious <laughs> in the world and I think there's a lot of value to, to doing what you do I, and I aspire to do it but like more the way you do because what happens in Made a Human is people really talk about the real things that matter like that properly make people tick whereas in Getting Better Acquainted it, it, we do get there but it's around more like looking at people's lives or like uh interests passions and from that you kind of see the human out of it whereas you get these really brilliant like beautiful like just speeches I guess out of people about what it is to exist I mean it's so I'm so lucky I feel like it's luck because a lot of it I don't I'm not conscious of what I'm doing (laughs) Uh, so I can't really it it feels wrong to say I'm good at it because it's not a skill I've honed (laughs) But I think it's a luck thing of me being the person. I've always had people say to me, oh, 
oh god I can't believe I just told you that or I've never told anyone that but I just told you or you know I just feel like telling you everything and I've had people get like angry with me because they opened up too much yeah. well I hadn't even and that's not I've even in a, that. that's not even in an interview situation <laughs> yeah that's no like I've just, had that in real yeah. life yeah. do you get people come up to you at bus stops and tell you their life yeah. story I'm I think I'm by now I'm close enough off <laughs> <laughs> I cab drivers and stuff. But I think they tell right, they do that to everyone. Stops. <laughs> yeah, but, oh yeah. No, I'm. But I very much have headphones on. Yeah, I'm, me, I'm yeah, very, me very too. like. Don't talk to me. But I was like that. Like I, now, I've built my wall around yeah. me. But I definitely, if I'm not careful, although people. You think headphones protect you, but the amount of people who like tap you on the shoulder, like take off your headphones, you'd like take off your headphones, and they like I don't know, ask you directions, and it's like what? What? Well, I think for me, it it, that kind of subsided when I started to look less safe. So when I became, you know, because I used to be very. I'm wearing flowers today, but it's the first time I've worn flowers for almost a year. But I used to wear like flowery dresses and. I didn't have glasses and I had like long brown hair and I was just, I just had more faith in people and I think you can tell I think I looked safe when now I got my big glasses I look more confident because I'm wearing clothes you shouldn't be wearing and you're fat and I think now people don't really feel like confi- strangers don't feel like confiding in me as much right because I don't look that accommodating anymore because I'm not trying to well, I'm still quite femme, but I don't really try to force myself into no, that femme no. box of, don't worry, I'll please you. Well, I wonder if that's a gendered thing as well, because the, the more um, femme I look, the more likely it is that people will approach me, because I think that, I guess they're looking around, they're like, uh, that man won't be a scary man, yeah, because he's a, got long hair and looking for a glasses. Mother. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> Um, so maybe there's a part of that. Maybe I should feel like, I don't know, maybe that's a nice thing for me to be like picked out as like what not one of the bad men, but I don't really like that idea no. either. Like I don't want to be going around saying, I'm not a bad man, because I am a bad man. I'm a person. I've got You're a man. of ways. Right, I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm part of the problem. Um, like, and, you know, as, as I think all people are, like mm. whatever their gender, to be mm. honest, we're part of all of these big kind of systems that we're, mm. we're enforcing. But I'm a worse part of the problem <laughs> than some people because of, you know, the privilege I have or whatever. That's interesting, though, that, that you're like somebody who people open up to. I mean, I've definitely found that's a real... Like, uh, there was a couple of years where people just kept on confessing, like, massive, really dark, twisted, complicated traumas to me. And then, like, saying, but don't tell anyone. And I'm uh, like, hang on, what the hell? I'm like yeah. known as like the person who can't stop talking. <laughs> right? Like, what? Why are people like? But I guess it's a, again, it's it means that they're respecting me on some level, and I do yeah. keep those confidences. It just kills me to do so. My fear <laughs> is and has always been that that I send out some kind of energy of um, like I am only twenty percent. So with me, you can be eighty percent. Because that makes sense. That's how I've always been. That's, right. you know, that was my entire childhood. I mean, like, when I was a child, that was like 5% of any conversation, of any context. So my fear is when people do open up to me, I'm like, especially in cabs or in Ubers, or I can justify politically why I take Ubers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not gonna, but I could. Um, when people just start talking and talking and talking, I reach a point where I go... You're, you're right now, you're my grandfather, you're my dad, you're all these people in my life who, for whom I was like an accessory or a mirror that you could see yourself in. Mm. And like, I, this is the saddest 
not as in sad, but like more pathetic, but also probably sad. I had a book, a notebook when I was 11 maybe, where I um, I would cut out from magazines questions, you know, like teenage magazines where they'd interview a boy band, so they had these like big, it'd be like a Q&A basically with like a question and then the answers from every member of the band. I would cut out the questions, put them into the notebook, and then answer the questions because no one asked me questions. Oh, I know, isn't that sad? That is sad but it's uh, so sad. Know, like it's, it's worth sharing. <laughs> yeah, it, I think about it so often because that's basically like th- that's the feeling I have when I. I mean, and it's of course not when it's friends or on my podcast or anything like that. Right. But when it's just like a man in a in a taxi right. who talks for forty three minutes. And you just go, I could literally be anyone and anything. To you, I'm like a blank slate. Like, even when I chip in and they just keep talking, I go, I'm being ignored and kind of used right now. And there's not a single question. And I get my, um, what's, the, what's the word? Uh, my, like, not trigger. Mm, my soft spot, whatever it is, the questions, like a lack of questions. If someone hasn't asked me a question for a while in the conversation, I start to feel like angry. I'm like, okay, oh, this is it, is it? Is this it? Right, right, right. <laughs> and that's definitely... A, They're like, just like, monologuing at you. Yeah. They don't really care about who you are. Yeah. And yeah. I think the anger comes from me thinking it's my fault. I'm like, I'm, there must be some... And not my fault, because it's not deliberate, but I am so scared that I send out this, you know, oh, I can right. accommodate you, I can please you, you can do whatever you want at me. Right. Because that would make sense if I did that. That's that interesting. My whole childhood. I mean, I'm, I guess I like the way that I can like relate to that is like I'm like I wor- like I spend a lot of time worrying that I'm that person, the monologuer, like because <laughs> that's how my mum was, uh-huh. uh, and so I've been on both sides of that. I've been the person who's been monologued loved that and they don't care about me but I've also acted out like without thinking you know like the way that trauma can go like you experience things in your childhood and then you realize looking back at your late teens and 20s you were uh, that person yes. like you you became the very things that were done to you at times yeah um which you know is something that you know I, I, that I'm, I'm working on I'm trying to change yeah it's hard though isn't it like I've, I've recently had to step out of a friendship because I kept making the other person sad and I couldn't figure out why and I I could just tell she got sad and I would ask her and she would then tell me what I'd done and it didn't make logical sense to me why that would make her sad and I started to feel like I was like an outsider from the world I was like I if I can't understand why I'm making this person sad like I feel like something I must lack something in my brain I must not be able to, I'm not, like around her at least I'm not functioning right. so I had to say we can't like I can't do this and we're great friends but sometimes I make you very sad and I can't I'm okay with making people sad if I know what I'm doing and I'm doing it right, deliberately right, or if it's a one-off but if I make you sad once every other week for reasons I can't uh, anticipate you know no, that's I can understand wanting yeah. to, to move away from that I, I don't know if I'm strong enough to do that though like putting setting boundaries is a really really difficult yeah um, thing I mean like from because I've, I've you know seen all of your I've seen your three shows 
uh, and I've listened to I think probably not every episode of your <laughs> podcast but I definitely because there's so many podcasts these days know, you have to yeah. dip in and out but I'm definitely like a regular on the way here I listened to two episodes of your podcast oh, wow. uh, because I because I was so anxious <laughs> I thought I'd walk all the way here oh, um, because otherwise you know it's public transport as well oh, as a nightmare yeah. uh, for, for anxious people um, which I, I guess is something that you that that's your political reason yeah. for, for using Ubers right uh, or something similar yeah, that's, I mean I, I think I don't have I don't know if I have a, that's a really good one I'll take that <laughs> I think it's more the whole um, people saying that you shouldn't use Uber that's kind of bullshit because of the you know the, and it's not for me to talk about but I know so many people who are people of color who can't get a cab. Right. You know, so I acknowledge that we have a need for a system like Uber where right. you, it's not racially biased. I mean, I think all the, of the options for transport are compromised in some way. Yeah. So it's kind of like about which one makes you able to survive in the world. Yeah. That's and how the I whole think of it. disability thing and how yeah. how fucking expensive cabs are. And, yeah. And I've ne- I mean, I've, I, I take cabs sometimes to level it out, but. I've never had a cab driver that I didn't immediately feel uncomfortable with. I had a guy who, uh, this was during the whole Me Too thing, and everyone was, it was like right in the beginning when everyone was kind of um, being forced to think of their own sexual assault trauma because right. it was everywhere. Yeah. So everyone was feeling vulnerable. I remember vulnerable. it very painfully. Well. Right, yeah. And I got in a cab and the first thing he said was, yeah, good thing you're not in an Uber because they rape people. And then he talked about rape for about 40 minutes and I was just like, I need you to not uh, talk about this right yeah. now. <laughs> and he just, and I just, you know, yeah, that's not happening in Uber. No, I mean, right. That, that was, a, I mean, very charged time, and that, that, that was part of the problem. I mean, it's still going on. It's ongoing. I'm not <coughs> suggesting the kind of me yeah. too. I hope it's ongoing. Like but it I needs think, to be. Ongoing. But now all of our trauma is still there. But it's just like it's in the open. But we yeah. kind of, at least. It's been talked about now. No, I mean, but I mean, you know, I'm a, I, I've been raped uh, by a woman, and so uh, like it was a very weird time. Like I believe men and myself included need to look at our sexual histories and see what's mm. what's been going on. Has everything been consensual? Like there are loads of different ways of being consensual. There's the official society stamped one. Then there's real consent that's mm. actually about checking in with people. So there's so many things, you know, and I, I say in my masculinity show, like, you know, I've definitely been guilty of like Harrison Ford style kisses, which I'm not, def- you know, not defending, you know, kissing someone because you think that'll make them, make them like you. And then oh, it, it, it another reference. It doesn't. Harrison, no, Harrison Ford, I know Harrison Star Ford, Wars, just, um, no, all right, fair enough. Blade Runner is the really a, triggering one. Don't watch that oh, if you don't want to I've watched Air Force One. Did you, Harrison Ford, I don't know. somewhere it seems like, well, I think he did this Indiana Jones. I think like pretty much the oh, standard right. thing for Indiana Jones was like, woman is shouting, man kisses them, they oh. swoon. Like, it doesn't work like that, teenagers. Oh, yeah. Don't try it. It just makes you feel bad, and they, you know it just makes everyone feel bad. Um, but like, I've been part of that culture. But at the same time, I was also as, as someone who is a, is a survivor. I've, like, I was being triggered by all of the stories too. Mm. You know, just because the power dynamics are slightly different, and it's you know rarer statistically mm. uh, for it to ha- happen in that direction to a man, didn't mean that it wasn't triggering. Um, so it was super complicated. Like, I've been, I guess, like my. My trauma was being triggered, but also my guilt. Like, also my, yeah. like, what have I done? And, you know, what have yeah. so. I spent a couple of months just with the trauma. <laughs> and then the guilt came. Because I remember, like, I have been so sexually aggressive 
because I I felt like I had to um, there's a word I want to say accentuate is that a word accentuate like make yeah, it go yeah accentuate my sexuality because I was being observed as a an asexual person because I'm of my fatness right. you know so fat people are just not you know the, the amount of times a man at a bar has said to me oh oh I just there's just no single women here or oh I just can't talk to women and I'm like ah me I'm here I'm right here right. <laughs> and you're saying this to my face I'm a woman and I'm single and why am I not an option so and that's just me justifying something that's not that nice but I kind of had to look inwards and go wow how many times have you like been kind of trying to be funny but very aggressive towards a guy because if you had to be vulnerable and actually try and sleep with him you would be absolutely sure he would reject you so it's easier to go hey I want to have your kids I want to have your babies yeah. right. and then shout that across the room because but also the messages you get with, with, you know people are given about men are very different as well like so there's this idea that like men are oh, yeah. always like want to have sex all the time yeah. you know like all you need to do is just like get yeah. them like physically and then they'll, yeah. they'll, that'll persuade them that's not the case uh, but yeah. that is that is one of the messages we're sold so I think like when you say like trying to justify it's not so much justifying it's understanding right yeah, it's, it's like really, I'm, I'm not yeah. certainly not justifying any of my own uh, behaviours but like understanding where they came from yeah. whether they're from uh, traumas and insecurities in myself or from messages that society yeah. has given me like understanding where they came from is super important yeah. it's not letting myself off the hook um, but but it would be tr- trying to let myself off the hook if I went round like going on about my yeah, reasons yeah, yeah. Uh, rather than accepting accountability. But yeah. but but it's a line. It's like it's both both sides of that line are important. Yeah. Understanding why it's important as well as accountability. I think. Yeah. Like, I mean they're, they're the same thing. They're connected. Yeah. Um, which actually leads me down the line I was actually going to go down, which is, you know, so uh, having listened to your shows and and, and listened to your podcast. I'm very aware that you're, you know, now in a very political space. You're very kind of uh, like various forms of activism, although activism's a complicated word to mm. throw at someone um, that you do. Um, but I also know that you w- weren't born super woke. Like that you, <laughs> that, you, that you had plenty of time in the wilderness, like doing terrible oh things, saying terrible things, as as I have done. And yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not. I don't know if I'm. I definitely wouldn't like describing myself as super woke, so I should apologise for having described you as that. But as someone trying to work on myself and like mm. be better and be an activist, um, what? How? How have you? How did you make that change? Oh my god! I was just literally yesterday. I was looking through really old Facebook photos, and I just found this folder of God, me being like the classic white savior in Senegal with African braids that kept falling out of my hair because my hair is not meant to have African braids and it was just all of these photos and I was just like oh my god I can't oh my I remember how good I felt and ah it was just awful um I was so like Denmark is so far behind compared to the UK which is not even well, there. I mean, right. that, that makes me like very worried for Denmark. I know. Because the no, UK is so terrible. You should. Denmark is to- actually toxic. Right. It is like feminist is a bad word, as in it's generally perceived as like a swear, like a what do you call it, like a derogatory term. Like you say, oh, you're such a feminist, and that's right. 
genuinely like someone who's safe to try and hurt someone's feelings. That's changed of late in the UK a bit, I guess. I can see why. Oh, compared to that, like, like, this used, is... It used to be more similar to that when I was younger. I can imagine, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in Denmark, it's still like that. Like, it's... I, I can't even begin to describe the how far behind Denmark is. And that's not to say there's a huge... Not huge, but there is a big uh, circuit of feminists and we have some great ones like Emma Holton who is a survivor of um, uh, the term is revenge porn but that's right. called something else now uh, or it should call something else so, so she's amazing and now I think she now works for the UN fighting for women's rights and stuff so Emma Holton is amazing we've got some really really great activists but there's so few compared to the country and they're fighting a harder battle than I could. I mean, I fight a bit, and then I go back to the UK. So they're stuck with the actual fight. But in general, it's such a far back country. So when I started out in comedy, you know, I was doing rape jokes. I was doing jokes about fat people being gross and disgusting and lazy. And I was doing. Jo- <laughs> I did a joke on television, which was a rape joke, uh, and the punchline was. Um, I know that uh, some women won't find this funny, but that's just because women statistically don't get jokes. <laughs> Thank oh, you, good God. night. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm worried I might laugh at this joke, but yeah, luckily, don't worry. luckily there was no chance. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. <laughs> don't you worry. No, no, no. It was, uh, it was really bad. Uh, but that was, you know huge applause funniest ha 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 everyone loved it you know because that's Denmark right and um, and then I met I mean I think, I think you probably get a laugh of that in, in the right club in the UK as well sadly yeah I think <laughs> I think I could oh yeah but now it would almost be um, satire right I could probably do it now it might be ironic to my yeah, feminist yeah, audience yeah, yeah. they'd be like oh that's funny because it's not true right. or I meant it I, was, I really meant it Right. This is a, seven years ago, and then I then I went to university, which was like my job in a way because in Denmark you get paid to go to school. So in order to fund my comedy career, I just went to university to get money. I know it's I mean, a different country. Isn't that's, it? You know, you've said a lot of bad things about <laughs> yeah, Denmark, but now I'm sexism. like, I'm, that's the like, yeah, utopia. <laughs> to get somewhere around <laughs> seven eight hundred a month, um, my flat would be hundred ninety pounds a month. Central, I know, and there are good things as well. Uh, you ride your bike everywhere without getting killed. It was lovely, but anyway, so I started. I started, I started studying Russian because once you've started three different educations, you, you can't pick yourself. You kind of have to pick from a, a section of educations that no one else wants. So I started studying Russian, and I met this uh, woman called Andrea, and. She was the only one who didn't look like everyone else. She had like a mullet and like hair, long hair under her arms and like a vest. And, and I was like, this, this, this woman's great. Like I can sit next to her. Because on the first day of school, of university, I was wearing a big ball gown because I was still drunk from the night before. And it was a, a horrible night, all in all. Anyways, so she, I started talking to Andrea and she was really cool. And she soon realized that I was a comedian. And she, I don't know how, but she coined that I was talking negatively about fat people on stage, and Andrea's a fat activist. Uh, and she immediately was like, right, I need to save this girl. Because, <laughs> right. you know, if she's allowed to go around saying these things on stage, like, this is not good, like, I need to stop this. So she, we spent all the Russian um, studies uh, <laughs> classes 
not studying Russian, but just talking about. She taught me what, like, all the basics. She taught me what capitalism was, socialism. She taught me about activism and fat activism and body positivity and all of these terms. And from that, everything clicked. I've always been anti-authority. Right. Like, I've always fought against teachers and right. I've always been difficult. Yeah. I've always been very difficult, but I don't think I've ever really known why. I've just had a strong sense of justice, but I've never been smart. I've never been like a, like bookly. I've never been um, I've never known things. You know, I was 18 when I first really saw a world map and realized that uh, Australia wasn't China and that South right. America existed. Like I had no idea. I didn't know anything about politics, right, left, nothing. Because my mom's like a factory worker. She never went to school. So where would I have gotten it from? Because at school I was fighting the teachers, so I didn't <laughs> learn. Uh, so I had the strong sense of justice and that something wasn't okay. And then I met Andrea and she just kind of put all the feelings into the right boxes. Right. She was like, right, this is how the world works. This is why you hate yourself. It's not about... The f- it's not that fatness is bad it's that you've been taught that fatness is bad so that people can make money and then it all just kind of spiraled because right. <laughs> I'd found this place where other people were also furious and it, we were meant to fight and we weren't meant to listen to the authority and it was all it all just started making sense like every single thing in my life that had made me feel worse or bad or not good enough were not based on facts anymore it was based on someone's lie in order to make money and everything made sense and it must have just come from there and then but that was just fat activism I very 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 quickly thereafter moved to the UK and I remember sitting on a bus from central London back to Streatham with three Canadian comedians and one of them was called Pat Bircher he now lives in Canada he's very very funny Oh, was it Pat Butcher? Was it Brian O'Gorman? Doesn't matter. And uh, someone said something, and he said someone something feminist. And I said, "What? Well, you're not a, you're not a fucking feminist, are you?" <laughs> and he said, "Yeah, of course I am. Are you not?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> I'd never heard a man say he was a feminist, and the, in the most sexist of ways, hearing a man say he was a feminist made me think, "Oh, maybe there's something to it." Oh my god! I know, <laughs> I know. I can hear this myself. And, and I went home and I, I think I spent about a year just Googling, like following all the threats, learning, not saying a single word about it because I wasn't sure if I was right yet. I could feel I didn't know enough yet and I, it felt like I, someone was onto something. <laughs> and then I started ranting and now I'm very angry. <laughs> right. But I mean, I don't know, that's like, you, you've, you, you got like better and uh, more politicized like more, like more understanding of the way the world works much earlier than I did oh, really? uh, I think you did fine like, it takes, <laughs> like I, I was probably like bookish I guess like I was I, I hated authority but I also did well in lessons like I, I did both uh, and I was massively bullied in school so I had the world to fight against so I mean as a I've got all of nearly all the boxes of privilege but I came out of school um thinking I was like the most depressed like you know uh, because, yeah, because yeah. I had experienced yeah that. like uh, you know in in that school 
I was, you know, I was the kid that, that you spat at and kicked and had the, the nickname and like every day like, universally was, it, I, I always think it's like no one knew they were bullying. They were just doing the thing that everybody yeah. else did. It was just like, oh yeah, that's just what you do when that person walks down. So when I came out, I had all of these political ideas but I, and, and frameworks and this experience but putting it all together and working out how to work on myself has been you know taking a long time I still don't know if I'm if I'm there yet I used to think that you couldn't be a feminist if you were a man which a lot of feminists agree with don't get me wrong I'm not saying I'm not saying I agree with that now I've actually I don't know I go around in circles with feminism so I used to I used to think men couldn't be feminists but the men were scum like men were the worst but we couldn't be feminists because we were the worst Um, but I was like the worst kind of like I was a man who wouldn't say they were a feminist but spent all my time telling my partner to be a feminist like when she didn't identify as a feminist like at that time like now she does now I do but then now like identifying as a feminist as a man there's two things that that makes me worried about like one is uh, being seen as like a male feminist because there's no reason to put the word male there if you're putting the word there uh, and you're a man then you that's, that's ridiculous I understand why women do it it's to distinguish a particular kind of uh, male feminist same way as white feminist means a particular kind of uh, white feminism not not all white people or whatever um, but like yeah so that's one side I worry about but the other side I worry about now now I'm much more clued up is being thought of as the wrong kind of feminist being thought of as you know a, a, a trans exclusionary uh, feminist or like any of those kinds of things so like or a white feminist so like now I prefer to think of feminism as an action rather than an identity yeah. uh, just so I don't have to like uh, bring up this entire tab of different like potential yeah. problems with the words f- feminist I mean I identify as a feminist but I don't care how anyone else sees me like it, it, yeah. it's not really relevant to I me. think with stuff like that I really love the approach of, it's the same with um, being anti-racist it's like I'm I can't, I can't say that I'm anti-racist, but I can say that I'm striving towards becoming right. and intersectional. I'm I'm trying to become. I'm striving towards being an intersectional feminist, but I can never claim to be an intersectional feminist. Right. The same with uh, you know being uh, not a transphobe. I can only strive towards being not a transphobe, but I can't claim that I'm not. A tra- right. Because we, we've been all we all grown up in culture. the same culture. We were all a bit of each. Uh, some to a more extreme extent than others, but we can't really run away from that no and it's like once you start unraveling it it unravels everything like yeah. so like you start going oh no that thing I'm doing is also yeah. bad that thing I'm doing is also bad yeah. and, it, and it's it's a good thing I think it's good to, to go through that process I think it's good to work on ourselves but is there also like do you find it complicated to balance kind of striving towards a better world and being an activist with another sort of strand that's within your work and certainly within your podcast which is like we're all struggling we're all like in different ways suffering and like having empathy and compassion for each other do you find that hard to balance with like no come on use the right fucking words <laughs> sort yourselves out it's a really hard one because I I feel like I'm often being seen as quite nice <laughs> and that, that is so wrong on so many levels <laughs> because it's like social justice and, and activism and um, not being 
racist and homophobic and transphobic and a piece of shit is so much more important than anyone's well-being. It's yeah. always safety over comfort. Always safety over yeah, comfort. Yeah, so I understand, I can empath- empathetically understand that someone feels bad if they're called out. I can understand that it's hard to learn new pronouns. I can understand all of that. But giving it focus is, I don't really give a shit. Yeah, no, sure. <laughs> I mean, I can, you know, it's, it's like... If, if a friend I can talk to my best friends I can say oh, I'm fu- I feel really bad for misgendering someone I did that and it was such a mistake and now I feel bad and I have blah 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 blah, blah. but I would never set, do that I would never talk about that publicly or give that any kind of space and I know I'm doing it now but I, I wouldn't say it's just the person I'd right. mis- because it's not about my, fe- my feelings are so just they just don't matter at all when it comes to the and and we're so good at you know especially white people are so good at talking about how we're not racist and and you see all white people are racist all white people are racist that's just the way it is like it's not our fault um, yeah, but that's but irrelevant. <laughs> but but irrelevant. It, but it is but it is a thing. But it can be our fault if we don't work on it. Indeed, we don't acknowledge indeed, it. Indeed. But it's a problem that, we, and also we so want a cookie. We want a cookie for knowing that, and you know, it's it's that like we just. And I see so many comics on stage talking about. So my racist grandmother said this. Oh, isn't that insane? Because that's so racist and that's so off. And you're like, yeah, but you just said it. You just repeated the things you said normalizing it or trying to let you're not allowed to it's not for you to laugh at like you're just repeating phrases it's not funny having a racist grandma it's really not funny if she can vote it's really not fucking funny she's dead now thank god like there's no more (laughs) of her racism in the world so well I don't know I was, I was going to apologise to my mum if she listened to this but I know she doesn't and uh, I should apologise for other things probably rather than that it's, it's it's a tricky one and even talking about talking about it is in some aspect, not not problematic. It just feels well, grim. I mean, everything's problematic. But I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess. I'm not saying you're nice. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Like, so I'm. I. But I do I, think that yeah. one of the things you're trying to do in your show, or at least sometimes, or at least that's how it comes across from a listener, um, is you're trying to kind of like get into what makes each individual a human and like how they relate to the yeah. world, how they struggle within that world. Now, like. And so, like, the systems that are all around us are the, the actual enemy. Like, obviously, like, dealing with people's behaviours is important, but unless we get rid of the systems, then they yeah. just, like, they just change the words that they use to, yeah. to, to... Like, that's happened in this country. Like, special needs kid is now what kids shout at other kids on the playground. Really? Yeah. Oh, my I mean, God. and it used to be much worse words than that, yeah. but they mean the same thing. Like, they oh mean the same God. thing when they're saying it. And so I think, like, that's the complicated thing. It's like, uh, like, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm definitely not saying that you have a problem calling people out. You absolutely <laughs> are well into it. And I, I respect it. <laughs> but it's, I, it, it definitely is a kind of, I feel it's like a balancing act, or not a balancing act, but a thing you have to do when you're in the moment talking to the people that you have on your podcast. Not all of them share your po- politics. Yeah. Not all of them are, like, some of them have certainly said some contentious things at times. Okay. I'm not asking you yeah, to, I know you to name them, uh, but uh, well, I'm not going to name them either. But like, Oh, it's a tough one when you, after you've recorded an episode, then they say, oh, I can't believe you, I, I never thought you'd have a Tory on. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what? Yeah, I just never thought you'd ask me because I'm a Tory. I was like, you're. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> right, right, right. And you kind of go, no, shut up. And then you go, 
I wouldn't have. <laughs> I right. really wouldn't have had hair. <laughs> I know if I knew about that. But like, so the, the, but the thing is, like, the do you think there is a contradiction there, or do you think they're almost the same thing? They're almost part of the same process because that's. I guess that's how I'm thinking more and more is that they they're saying you're racist. <laughs> stop saying that is 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 part of the same process of going uh, to, to somebody else or to the same person. Oh, I can see that thing that hurt you and like connecting with them on that level. Like both of those things can mm-hmm. coexist. They don't have to be against each other. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think everything. Like we were talking about how everything is problematic and. I think it, we have to start acknowledging that everything does coexist. You know, in the same way you can talk about, and I don't want to talk too much about trolls because it's so boring now, but the same way you can say that a troll can be a victim of a system or of abuse or uh, bad self-esteem or... Uh, like I can, in some aspects, feel really, really sorry for a troll who's targeting women online. Uh, but at the same time, I can really want to hurt that person because it's a horrible human being and they're a dickhead. And I can feel all of it at once, and we can, you know, we can do all of it at right. once. And um, I have a slight obsession with, I guess, vulnerability and people's pain and people's stories and people's struggles. And right. I think it is important. I, I guess that's one. That, yeah, I think it's, about, it's the that, only that thing that it's the only thing that it really excites me. It really excites me talking. It excites me finding. Uh, finding patterns that people I've been in therapy since I was 16 and it was, it was my favorite thing you know it hurt and it was painful and it was all the things that therapy is but I loved it I loved when my therapist could say oh does that remind you of someone and I thought right. what if that <gasps> yeah. shit like I love that I, and my therapist now she does the same thing and oh we had this amazing moment where um, my new therapist she kept wanting to talk about my job, and I kept saying, I don't need to talk about comedy. I got everything under control. Like, that's my thing. I do, that's, I have everything there's fine. We need to talk about childhood stuff. And she was like, well, tell me a bit about your job. And I was like, oh, it's, and I was like trying to give her, like, a reason. And I was like, right, so, um, I would, I said to her, like, I'm so confident in my job, in my activism. Like, I put out a photo of me with my stomach out. And I drew like a nice little cute picture on it. It was a great picture. It's a really good picture. I drew like a uh, uh, eyes and a mouth and a nose on my stomach, and it looks adorable. It's a cute little fat face, and I love it. So I'm really comfortable with that. She went, "All right, okay." And then if, and she kept going back to it, and I kept saying, "I got this under control. You don't need to talk about it." And she was like, "Right, let's talk about your childhood." And I said, "Yeah, I was just so cute. I was just this little cute kid with like a cute fat face." And she went, "Uh huh." I was like, oh shit! Oh no! Oh shit! You were right. Oh fuck! I love that. Those are the best. It's almost orgasmic those moments where you realize there's a connection between everything you think and have experienced, and all the all the people you've dated, or you know that thing your dad said was also the thing you said to the person you when you broke up with them, and oh, that excites me. And so when I look at it from that aspect, I don't really think about. feminism or social justice warrior stuff um, and the same way around when I talk to people about activism and stuff I don't really care about their background right so I do struggle to sort of talk about both things at the same time but because I just don't think feelings really have anything to do if you're on like it's also hard because your feelings have a lot I really want to know your feelings about your oppression I want to know how it feels like to be the to struggle within your whatever group you 
identify into. Um, but if you're white, I don't care about your feelings about your whiteness. You know, if you're cis, I don't care about your feelings about your cisness. Um, to a such an extent that it's like feel I'm sometimes a bit mean about it because I really don't care. <laughs> but there's really there's no care. reason that everybody has to care about everything as well. That, that's the yeah. other thing. It's like like you're doing your thing within your area, right? Like if if, if other people are like if, if there's like loads of white people getting together and like seriously interrogating their whiteness, mm. right? Um, that's fine. They don't have to be doing that in the same room as people of colour. Yeah. They don't have to be telling people of colour like, oh, I've done these uh, ten things today to st-, like that. That that's the thing. That yeah. these, no. Or even worse, ask them, what can I do? Oh, I've done. I mean, that. I find yeah. it that, like because I do a show about masculinity and I want an audience of men of yeah, cis yeah, men, yeah, yeah. but, that's but I don't thing. get an audience so of cis men. I get a, a lot more yeah. women in the audience than I do men. I am publishing a book through Unbound. Unbound are a publishing company, which means that they don't publish things that they don't think are good and that they edit. The thing that makes them different from other publishing companies is they're half publishing company and half crowdfunding company, which means that the way that the books get published is that people who want to read the books pre-order those books. They can pre-order them as a digital copy or as a hardback, or they can pledge more money to get different kinds of things along with the book that they're pre-ordering. Unbound approached me in December to see if I wanted to adapt my show What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity into a book and I said yes please I definitely would like to do that and so that is what I'm doing if you go to the Unbound website and there'll be a link to this in the show notes you can find Mansplaining Masculinity over there and pre-order a copy of that book the way that this book is going to get made is by people like you pre-ordering it and pledging to it and people like you telling other people about it sharing it on social media recommending it to other people those kinds of things you can find out what the book is fully about by reading about it on the page there's a video of me in a purple dress and fedora with my childhood toy dolphin telling you about what the book is about But basically, Mansplaining Masculinity is about looking into myself and looking out at culture and thinking about how masculinity is constructed and created and how systematic elements contribute both to the ways that men are hurt by society, but also the ways that men hurt other people in society. It is not a book that says that men are the problem, but it is a book that will say that we can be part of the solution and if you want to get an idea of what it's like before you pledge to it you can listen to a podcast of the show that it's adapted from on the website mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk and also there was an episode of BBC Radio 4's Forethought called Liberating Men which was a reflection on an extension of the show so Listen to those shows, see if you like what you hear, and if you do, then please do support and pledge to make mansplaining masculinity happen. It was something that occurred to me during a, as I was watching a comedy show, and I've heard fat jokes, you know, of course, 
every day for eight years, you know, because it's such a normal thing and people make fun of fat people all the time. Uh, and I, I particularly mean like thin people and non-fat people. And I, I was at a comedy club, 400 people in the audience, and I was watching this guy, and he was doing a joke about fat people, and I'd even heard the joke before. But for the first time, it kind of made sense why it was so appalling. Because what he said was, you know how fat people do this? And I thought, if he had said, you know how you fat people do this? Everything would have changed. I would have respected it. Because he would have said, hey, you, you fat person, you do this thing, and I think it's awful. Fair enough. I can, I can respect you telling me your opinion to my face. But you saying those fat people, as if I'm not in the room, you didn't expect me to be in the room, I'm not welcome in the room, you don't want me in the room, and people laughing as if I am not in the room, that was where it hit me. I was like, that is the problem with this. Because of your audience. That's, it's all about who you speak to. Right. And if you go, we men, us men, you men, it's yeah. a whole other thing than going, hey women, you know us men, we're like this. Hey, hey women, you, you know right. how you should talk to us men. It's a whole different thing. Right. That it, everything clicked. I would fucking love for a fat phobic comedian to say, you know how you fat people are like this. But mostly what you'll get in a backstage area, in a, in a dressing room, you'll get a comedian say, oh, there's a lot of X in the audience. I won't do my X joke. And then, like, that should be rule number one. If you're going to do a joke about someone else and you want to be derogatory, you better be able to do it to their faces. Right. Because otherwise, what the fuck are you, what, what are you doing? Right, no, no, that's fair. But also, in, in, like, in, in comedy, there's a real kind of weird kind of relationship with the audience. Like, you need the audience to laugh, but, like, so many comedians do do jokes that, like, completely exclude loads of parts oh, of the audience. Yeah. And then there's plenty of comedians who are like, yeah, but I'm being ironic, but no, my audience that. might be behaving terribly to women as a result of the words I'm saying, oh but it's not my responsibility. Yeah. Like, also, a, if you went on stage yeah. and you said, hey, you fat people, <laughs> you shouldn't be able to do sports because you're so fat, no one would laugh because that feels horrible. Right. You're saying that, but if you say, hey, you know how fat people shouldn't be able to do sports, people will laugh. So it's not the fact that it's people don't necessarily even laugh at the because they'll be because people are not in the like they they, they feel like they're part of the, yeah. the the good cr- I guess I guess I can understand that from being bullied at school like mm. like the, the like yeah that's very much how people react in crowds yeah like it's not me thank God it's not me today yeah. let's laugh at that yeah. person yeah yeah I've gone on I've followed people doing jokes like that and I've just stood there and watched. Like the what, four fat people in the audience, because fat people don't really go that much to comedy, because we know Why they're going to be fucking right, laughed at. Exactly. And you just and you just look at their faces, and the worst ones are the one where they laugh, but you can you recognize the laugh from being eighteen. Yeah, you recognize the. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, I am so fat and so lazy and so stupid, and <laughs> right. yeah, you should probably. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know this. I know all these things. You don't have to right. tell me. I, I'm aware of this. Also, I know I'm using problematic, uh, ableist language all the time. I'm sorry. I'm trying to do better. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a thing, though. Like, as you as you say, like you're evolving your language. You've evolved your politics. Mm. Um, I've evolved my politics. I've evolved my language. Like, where's our responsibility in terms of how we engage with people who have not yet evolved? I guess. Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? Because there's some people where you can just tell. You're like, oh. If I even mention right. that this one word, they're not going to change their mind. They're not just going to yeah. change. They're not just going to not change their mind. They're going to absolutely hey, lose it yeah. and join an MRA group. <laughs> right, right. Um, I think it is. Right. It is. It's our responsibility. It is. We should. 
We should. But it's hard. Um, I mean, well, we is like we're not in the same category as well. That's like, true. I tend to think of myself as like it's my responsibility to be like try as hard as possible to change yeah. people's minds because in lots of ways I'm not discriminated against so I have the privilege to be able to sit there and like fucking listen yeah. to the thing and go round yeah. and round and hear all of the stuff and talk about somebody else's life experiences as if like obviously I'm talking about it slightly as if intellectually because I have not experienced it but in a way that's trying to remind someone it's not an intellectual mm. experience it's not an intellectual exercise to have an argument about women or fat people or whatever it is I mean certainly like like I still like and it's really embedded. Like I, I, I really support fat, fat activism, but I find saying the word fat really hard, um, and so it's certainly to, to other people because because you're a fat activist, but somebody who's fat out on the street oh, might not yeah. be. Yeah. And if I call them fat, they're not going to know it's yeah, empowering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, like I'm yeah. on your side. It's not going to yeah. sound like that. At no, all. God, no. So it's it is a complicated word. I was thinking about this on the way here. It's like you know, it's like. Uh, like whorephobia is another word I find hard to say because I have to say the the problematic word and again like saying someone's queer which I have loads of queer friends Um, you know increasing I'm straight-ish is how I define myself I don't know I I don't feel like I can appropriate the word queer but like there's plenty of people who queer was a hate word for who are still dealing with that like so evolving our language doesn't evolve everybody's language when we say whorephobia or fatphobia that's not how everybody yeah. hears those words aren't the same. So. But it's also fun. Like, it depends... For me, it depends who I speak to. Like, when I... I was going uh, on, a, on a trip and I had to try and get a second plane seat. Uh, and, I, and I knew if I said fat, that wouldn't... So I, I was saying to this lady behind the counter, I was like, I'm, I'm just a bit large, you know. And I used that... I had to say... And even... I said, so I said to her... Uh, it's just I'm a bit large. I was wondering if you had if there was any spare seat on the plane where I could sit next to the spare seat so that I, and and I you know, a lot of fat people already know how to say this because it's been done before. Uh, so you had to say, and it's not just for me. It's just that sometimes someone sitting next to me might be really annoyed because I'm a bit I'm a bit large, um, and she burst into tears. She was just crying, and I was like, oh okay. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll just wait for your <laughs> for your pity to die down. Oh. <laughs> she was like, "I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry," and I knew I couldn't go out. So I was like, "Hey, listen, I'm fat. I'm gonna need a, a seat next to me because uh, you know your planes f- suck." Because um, then she, it would have been aggressive. She wouldn't have agreed. No. But I had to kind of go. This is actually really hard. And, and it's know. not. I mean, her tears are not helpful in no, that moment. Not helpful. But at the it's, same time, I'm not. Like if she it's went home, than, yeah. if she went home and cried about how horrible the world is to fat people, yeah. that's a reasonable thing oh, to yeah. do. Oh yeah, I was fine. Like, I was just, I wasn't even, I wasn't even like, I was just like, yeah, right, okay, let's. <laughs> right. Okay. It's it's kind of when you live it, every, and not just when you live it, but when you, like, talk about it every single day when you are an activist, and then. Right. You know, it's. I guess it would be like teaching whatever maths to a seven year old right. you know if you have a university degree in maths you're kind of like right okay let's yeah, no, 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 <sighs> seven I, plus seven you're kind of like okay yeah for, I, yeah. this must be really hard for you but. I mean I can understand that as well I mean like I'm not like not with the same experiences but because I've been doing this show about masculinity since 2015 and I've been doing it all the bloody time like like going into an entry level conversation about gender or masculinity mm. or any of these things it's like it's so difficult because you're like I've got to explain 
so many oh things like okay so yeah. everything you think you know about yeah. every fucking yeah. thing about gender you don't it's it's wrong like i didn't it's not wrong to not know yeah. it like I, I, we were taught it from birth well, um, I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment about fatness and uh and I'm, I'm really getting into it like it's i've almost finished it and then i went to get my hair cut and a new hairdresser again and she was fat the first fat hairdresser i've ever had and we immediately started talking about fatness and she was like not even entry level she was like i hate my body i have i just got gastric bypass surgery uh i, I and i was like oh shit <laughs> i was like this this is what i've been like this is who i was but this is also like who should who i essentially want to read my book and i was like right i'm gonna now try within a half an hour haircut to say everything I've written in the book and ho- like see if it does something like I need to change this woman's mind I need her to I need to leave this hairdressers and have her feel empowered and amazing and she should you know feel so good about herself and it was so stressful because I was just going right so you can do this you can do this you can do this and she was like oh, I don't have the confidence I was like no 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 no. listen okay right and I went back to like do you know where that phobia stems from it's actually from slavery and I started mentioning eugenics and I started mentioning uh, you know the diet industry and obesity inc and uh, you know, from Weight Watchers and politics, and she was just like, "Oh yeah, you know, I just, you know, it's just, uh, I think I should just maybe lose the weight." But my husband, he keeps saying he loves me the way I am. But why would he love me when I look like this? And I was like, "Right, okay, right, uh, chapter five, right, okay." So, <laughs> and it was so like meeting myself. There's a word I forgot the word now, but it's like a really beautiful French word, which means um, it's like eumenia, something like that. It's um, the feeling of. When you f- the feeling of having arrived in the future, uh, but being unable to tell your former self that it's all going to be okay. Oh wow! And it's that feeling of going right. Okay, I can fix you. And, and I ended up asking for her address, and I sent her like four, like Lindy West's book and Marilyn Wan's book and Jess Baker's book and all these fat books. Just like, please love yourself. Please, I need you to love yourself because otherwise this book won't have any right. meaning. Uh, and it was so, and it was, but it was fun realizing what worked for her because I did the whole like it's capitalism's fault, and she was just not having it. And then I went into because that was what helped me. I was like, right, what do I do? So I was talking about these fat events. I was like, um, no, there's a nightclub for fat people where you just go and people are fat. And she was like, oh my god, I could go to a nightclub and just feel welcome the way thin people feel all the time. And I was like, yes, yes, ding, ding, ding. Right, that was one. <laughs> And it was such a... I keep talking about her because it's so... It was such an... Because I've been so much in this world where everyone just are fine with their bodies and they know the politics and they know the statistics and, you know, like I I would tell the statistics I found when researching the books such as um, uh, from a group of people who used to be fat who are now thin, when asked if they would rather gain weight again or turn blind they chose turning blind 89% would rather be blind than fat again 89% when I said that exactly and that's a reaction I get from people who are not fat people go fucking hell and I went fucking hell a lot of fat activists were like fucking hell I said that to my hairdresser she went yeah get that I mean and I said you know there are people who would rather die than be fat she was like yeah I thought that and I was like holy shit this, you are the person that I'm trying to talk about but I don't know you anymore right that's the thing isn't it like in some ways we do activism for our past selves yeah like I mean I've been I've had, I had 20, 20 weeks of therapy on the NHS last year so I finally I finally joined the therapy club uh, mm-hmm. from a lot of like looking outside the window but my therapist uh, would always say like sit with your past self like which was, there yes. was a lot of sitting with 
uh, the various aged versions of myself, um, which I, you know, initially I was like scornful of initially, but then obviously I kind of embraced that over time because that's kind of the process of therapy. And like, that's it. Like I kind of came to realize that like, I couldn't have, like, it, like there's certain ages of myself that I need to learn compassion for. Mm. And there are certain ages where I can easily get compassion. Mm. And it's like, part of that is because I was a worse person during the times when I don't have as much compassion for myself. Like 15 year old me, yeah. really hard for me to yeah. have compassion for, even though needed it probably the most, yeah. maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Childhood trauma, teenage yeah. trauma, I don't know. Like, let's juggle them, find out which and one's worse. And because then also your 15-year-old self would have to learn how to have compassion with your 6-year-old self. Right. But the worst one's the, like, 22-year-old self. Like, the one when I, when I thought I was okay, but now I look back and realise I fucking wasn't. Uh, like, that's yeah. the hardest one to have compassion for, because I should have known the better yeah. the most. But, you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But, like... But certainly none of those people feel like me now. Like, I feel like if I met my 15-year-old self, I went, like, obviously I'd be consensual about hugging him. I would ask <laughs> him if he wanted hugged, and he'd probably say no. Yeah. He would not like me at all. Yeah. Like, he would, he would be very disappointed in me, I think. Um, I think, but I That's don't know. That's the thing. That's a sad thought. Of, like, if I thought of 15-year-old me and how if I met her and I was like, listen, you're doing amazing, like... You're going to be like a stand-up comedian. Like, people will ask you all the questions that you wrote in your little notebook and you won't even have to force them to do it. <laughs> if anything, you'll be turning down people right, wanting right, to right. ask you questions There's all the time. There's too many of those <laughs> people many with those notebooks, yeah. And, you know, you'll make a difference. You'll have people coming up to you after shows and they'll be crying because you you apparently changed something for them and you're creating, you're writing a book, your dream. Like, you're doing really well. I think she would look at me and go... Oh shit! I'm still fat, uh, and I think, yeah. and that's a hard one to go. Right, right. I kind of want to go back to eleven-year-old me and start explaining capitalism and just go right. Okay, and it's what I do when I get messages from school, like from kids at school, like twelve-year-olds, and they're like, I got one from two girls, uh, eleven and twelve, and they wrote, uh, we have some questions for a school thing. Um, so we're twelve years old. So we, uh, so we obviously hate our bodies. So how did you learn to love your body? And I was like, I cried for two hours. I was like, a 12 year old, fuck this, fuck this world. And that was me then just unleashing, just going, right, listen, right, <laughs> right this is good. This is not what you thought you were gonna hear, but I'm gonna have to try and explain a system to you now. Right. <laughs> like, we're gonna talk eugenics, we're gonna talk about- But it's so complicated because statistics. they still exist inside us too, though, yeah. those past versions of us. Like, so obviously like, I know I shouldn't hate myself, I do still hate myself, but I know I shouldn't, right? And that is like the the process of it all. And like there'll there'll be, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that you know, you need to don't go into this particularly in this conversation, but there'll be those kind of feelings within you that you're kind of like, no, go away, like, and yeah. you know, but from the outside, you seem like <laughs> such a like self actualized beacon of like this is the hope. Like, <laughs> and you want to be that for those twelve year old yeah, girls. But, I think I'm not. Well, I'm closer to it than I ever have been, and I'm closer to it than I know most people are because I have, I have just been in therapy right. for so long, right, right. Um, and I'm beginning to recognize things, um, and I love it. I love it so. What I find fun, and another like realization I had, was I think, and I think it's part of. I think it started when 
like during like the industrialization and during the whole uh, fat hate in the history of the world, uh, where we began to get a collective understanding that in order to be happy, it has to hurt. You know, in order to lose weight, you have to suffer. In order right. to be happy, you have to work eight days and uh, eight hours a day in a factory. Right. In order to, you know, it's all like, you know, love has to hurt. And right, art you know, has to hurt. Right? Art has that's to one of my hurt. worst ones. It's Everything like has to. It's, tortured artist. Yeah. That's what I wanted to be. That's why fifteen-year-old yeah. me would be like, "You, you failed." Because mm. I'm not hating, exactly. hating myself as much. Yes. So, I th- and I think it's a way of just keeping people in check. It's a way of keeping people. Uh, working hard and not complaining right. if we just accept that pain as part of the human experience but in order to fix ourselves it has to feel good right. so the answer is to be really nice to yourself and tell yourself nice things and forgive yourself and be you know cuddle yourself and lie and just stay in bed and have a great day and it's so it feels so counterproductive because well surely to get better it should hurt and the answer is, no, actually, the right thing that will make you better is just to be really nice to yourself. And you, like, the, your medicine is to look in the mirror and say, you are so beautiful, you're so wonderful. And that is weird. Especially I mean, if you have trauma and you I definitely get can't that. do that. I know. I mean, <laughs> but, but then, again, it's complicated as well, because when I look in the mirror, I see a man, right? And so there, there's... there's, there's like, I don't necessarily think that men should be going into the mirror and saying, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best, and then going out the door going, yes, everything's no, still fine. That, no, not best. You're beautiful. All right, 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 right. No, sure, 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 sure. You are right. You're and that's beautiful, interesting. wonderful. That's the kind of thing my therapist would pick up on. Yeah, see? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going through a really, well, I think it's really interesting in therapy at the moment where I will, I think I'm starting to open up to like childhood me because, well, I know I am, because I will just start crying. And it'll be the kind of crying where it almost feels like someone else is crying. So I'll be like still on my computer working and then I'm just crying like, oh, like almost as if you have a cold. You're like, oh, this is the thing that's happening. But then I will think things and it doesn't feel like a conscious thought. It feels like someone else's thought. And it'll be something that I know I would have said or thought when I was like, whatever, five, six, seven, even younger maybe. So I'll be like, uh, it'll be words that I wouldn't use now or... Uh, patterns of talk that I wouldn't be using now or and I just know that it's like I'm you know and then suddenly I will look at everything I bought in the past week and every single thing I bought is pink and I'm like huh I hmm hmm I'm not really into pink but it feels like maybe I'm not doing the shopping right now (laughs) so that's me getting in touch with yeah and I haven't spoken to my therapist yet about what age it is that I'm summoning but there's an age that's right now just happening inside of me and we're dealing with some shit and I'm just the vessel that's allowing this to happen right. and I, oh, I guess if you want this pink thing I guess we're wearing pink I'm wearing flowers today I yeah. never wear flowers and I was like I have to only wear flowers today but that's a side of you as well like, that's a part of you and it's great I mean that's it like you're right like the thing is I need to learn that it's not the same as saying you're the best to mm. say that you're beautiful and like that is the thing I can't do is I can't like I have a real problem seeing myself as a, like in any way attractive like and I think this is one of the things that people socialized as men in society have is we're slightly disconnected from our bodies and our kind of beauty uh, like that's not even a word that's supposed to be used about men although it's definitely the word that I would prefer to be used about me than any of the other words that are used about men like handsome or whatever like they kind of make me a little bit dis- disconnected from myself 
but like at the same time like whereas women are like shoved in their bodies all the time and they're like their yeah. bodies are like objectified have to if they have the right kind of body as well yeah. which is why I guess there's some crossover maybe between like being a man socialised and being fat I guess and socialised I guess I don't know I'm just yeah, making that up I don't know, <laughs> like, probably it's wrong I'll probably listen back to it and go nah um, but, <laughs> but like yeah it's it's it's, a, it's great to me that you can, you are at that point that where you can say that you are beautiful and that you can like positivity is a weird word like I'm much more into the idea of like fat fat acceptance or no fat accept no I'm, just, I'm learning about this I'm Maybe learning I'm about this because uh, I was like it's called fat acceptance you pricks it's pricks problematic nah prob- <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's, that's your that's your saying. I was like, is it? Um, <laughs> I'm not um, the expert. But apparently, that. so there's different. So fat acceptance, I would say, is seemingly better than fat positivity. Fat positivity is like we don't need to be. Why we don't have to be positive? Like it's not a positive. Like it's a neutral thing. So that's why we would go for acceptance. Like we should just right. you know. But that's problematic because you shouldn't accept it like you would accept like. Uh, a broken leg like right. you shouldn't accept it as if you you know accept a disease or like, oh what is that? that's really problematic I'm yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. what am I trying what, what's the um, like you know your flat is a bit too small for your needs right I guess I'll just accept that right where um, fat liberation liberation that's good. the one liberation is always a good word yes because you're free of all expectations you're free of all um, like demands, you don't have right. to love yourself, you don't have to hate yourself, you don't have to look good, you don't have to even think about how you look. You just get treated like you sh- like as a human being. Right. You don't have to feel positive all the time. Which is yeah. like the, the word positive. That's the problem I have. With yeah. it. Like whenever it gets attached to whatever yeah. kind of social justice cause, it's yeah. like like sex positivity. That's kind of erasing asexual people and all sorts mm, of things. Yeah. Um, but like that's good. Fat liberation. Yeah, fat liberation. I've got a, good, a, a new language yeah, evolution. Isn't it? When we kind of do activism around things that like have hurt us and scarred us and like formed our lives, then we have to be always in that shit. Yeah. Like yeah, that's yeah. that's what I feel about gender. It's like I have to have to pay <laughs> attention what's happening, what's yeah. happening. I have to always like, so much like you know, I have to watch the terrible it. Channel Four debate, Ugh, even though yeah. I know that I'm gonna hate it and yeah. just like because it's it's part of the the language of the stuff yeah. I do. Because there's no school. We're not taking an education we're doing it ourselves. We have to learn. I have like if I can say just one thing that people should do Kiva Bay on Twitter, uh, K-I-V-A-B-A-Y, is... I believe he's Kivan now, I think. Kivan. Yeah, I think, Kivan. or Kivan, yeah. Yeah, but the Twitter name is Kiva. Ah, oh, right. But yeah, okay. the, his right. name uh, right, right, is right. Kivan. Kivan. Yeah. Right. <laughs> pronounced Kivan, less right. Steven, but with Kivan. Right, Kivan. Uh, right. Yes, he is extraordinary. And he is, like, through his research, I hired him as a researcher for my book, uh, and he is extraordinary. Wow, I'm incredibly excited about you. But that's I know. Not, like that's like a, 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 a fat, like <laughs> fat justice league is forming. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's so great. I don't know why I went for justice send... league. That's the, no, that's the rubbish I'm, one. You're the I'm Avengers. A, I don't know any. I'll take either one of them. Um, yeah, so I'll say to him like, um, oh, I feel like there might be something a bit maybe tricky about weight watchers. I don't know. And then he'll send me 14 pages of research and like, and he's so into it. He's like, Amazing. oh my god, you won't believe what I found. And I'm, I mean, and I had a quite. A, um, am I allowed to say? I must be allowed to say this. I had a 
tricky conversation with my editor where we disagreed on a thing, and uh, and it kind of really put me off writing the book for a bit. Not like complete, not like a, I was just like, oh, I'm not going to touch this for a few days. I'm angry, um, and I and I, just, I was speaking to people about it, but like I was still angry. And then I told Kevin, uh, who'd been in the hospital for a few days, so I couldn't tell him anything. Um, yeah, him in the hospital, all about me. <laughs> so hard on me that he was in the hospital. Um, and then I finally messaged him and told him about this, and he was just like, I'm so angry on your behalf, and we should do this, and we're going to do this. And suddenly I was like, I wanted to write again. And I think having someone like that, like Andrea that I met at university, having people, a cat pose, who's <laughs> the, only, the, yeah. the only professionally fat person in New Zealand, love her. <laughs> people like that, like having those people in your life where you can go, this thing happened, and they know not just what you're talking about, but they can like extrapolate. Is that a word? Yeah, it might be the wrong word. It is a word. <laughs> that, 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 it's you know you use English very very well. I know because I used like, the word trajectory wrong for about like, six years. But and I've so only just the, realized. Like, so the British people, like, this, <laughs> like I, I like it's, it's, it's all like what you do. Like the like I mispronounce uh, Kevin's name because I've only seen it written down. Yeah, and that's how that's how, yeah, how language works, yeah. right? <laughs> Um, yeah, but just having those people in your life and in your corner and like other people who fight, other people who are like, it's like when you get abuse online um, and you'll tell people and they'll go, oh my God, I'm so, so sorry. That must, I just, it's, don't listen to them. That's so awful. And you're like, eh, okay, thank you. But then you tell other people and they go, fuck them. That means you're doing the right thing. Just keep tweeting, keep right. putting pictures out. You fucking fight them. And you're like, yes, that's right. what I want. That's what I need. Right, because yeah, sympathy's not necessary. Like, and also there's there's like levels of sympathy. If you don't yeah. really know someone, yeah. don't bother. Yeah, like, you know, there's there's always like hundreds of mostly men kind of yeah. flock around any issue, and like you just see them going like, "So sorry, hope you." And it's like you don't know that person. Yeah. It doesn't work the way you might imagine it to to work. Yeah. Like even with the nicest possible reading of that action, it's a it's yeah, a, it's it's a just, mistake. It's just not. I mean, I think. I mean, again, with my hairdresser, some people probably would want that. I mean, yeah. And then she wouldn't want someone to say fucking fight them. I think she'd be a bit like, oh shit, but I'm really sad. Maybe she now. needs that though. Maybe she, maybe she needs, needs a lot more people way. telling her to fight people though. Maybe, oh, maybe I don't that's know. That's true. But who knows? I'd like to. I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that that's the answer. Yeah. I'd love for that to be the answer because I think people are tired of being victims and I'm and I don't mean I think the word victim isn't bad I think it's no, okay right, to be right. a victim I think this whole thing of I don't want to be a victim well it's not you it's not up to you you've Someone else made you a victim against I understand you. why people prefer the word survivor. It's yeah. a word that I initially preferred because I've yeah. been socialised as a man, right? So, like, oh, yeah. it's much better to say you're a survivor yeah. than a victim if you're a man. But partly because of that, like, I'm a, more and more embracing victim, yeah. to be honest. Well, I'm not judging anyone for doing it, but <laughs> I'm just I'm tired of the negativity that people use around it. You know, when people go, why do vi- women make themselves out to be victims of sexism? You know, and you're like, you're like you're victimizing other women by being a feminist. The Danish things people say in Denmark. Um, where I'm like, think, fuck that. Like being a victim is not your fault. Like it's right. like shaming someone for for falling down it's the just stairs. A, it's like, just it's a statement like, of something fact, happened to reality, you. Right? Yeah, something happened to you. Something bad happened to you. That's right. not your fault. That's just someone did that to you. And now you're. It's not. Anyways, um, it doesn't have to define are, you. It's yeah, just but, a facet of you. Yeah, but I think people sh- either should be or. Sh- or are like done with being like we're so pitied and even with the body positivity body positivity is just another way that we can all feel like we're not doing enough like oh so so now I'm not wearing a bathing suit right. on the beach 
So that's also wrong, you know, so I'm wrong for being fat on the beach, but I'm also wrong for not being happy with my fat body on the beach. And, you know, so we always turn our attention towards, you know, us and what we can do better, what we should do better, and what, we, what we're now doing wrong. And bleach your asshole, and like, there's all these rules that suddenly happen where for once it would be good to just go, let's talk about the people who do this to us. And this is something that's been done to us. Someone, we can make as many documentaries about body positivity as we want. We can make as many uh, podcasts and, uh, and the books and whatever, and it's not going to change anything unless we turn the whole fucking lens towards the system, the people who are, they're actual human beings, not robots, not yeah. a system, a system yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. system makes it sound like, that's just how it is. But there yeah. are people making the decisions who are actually sitting making money off of Weight Watchers who are making money off of diet pills and gastric bypass and all these horrible things that literally kill people. There are people who do that. Why are we not talking about them? So why not focus on them and getting them... There are fat activists who uh, buy shares in Weight Watchers so that they can attend the meetings to make sure they're not doing it. Like, that's what we need. Right. You know right, that's mean? right. Turning the lens on the people who are the... Make, yeah, the, the people with the power in the systems... Absolutely. I mean, and that's like, you know, there's a really great uh, podcast series called, well, season of a podcast called S- uh, Seeing White, which turns the lens on whiteness in America oh. rather than like, like yeah. uh, you know, which is not to say it doesn't talk about like racism and the struggles of people of colour, but it says like, no, no, let's look at the, the people who made the laws. Let's, yeah. let's look at the people who enacted the hate. Yeah. Like, what made them? Yeah. Like, because, you know, like people are kind of have to answer all the time oh, for like yeah. just existing like but white people don't have to question it at all and certainly in the UK as well like like if you're white and you're in the UK I, don't, I can't speak for Denmark but if you're white mm. and you're in the UK like if you're not looking at empire and like the legacy of that and how that is absolutely directly to blame for everything happening with Brexit and everything around you at this moment then you you know like do that do that like, white, <laughs> white people look at your own heritages you have one mm. you have a history mm. like you, it's not you're not default I don't know what I'm saying but maybe there's some other people out there uh, who uh, will take on the empire thing because it fucking needs to be uh, taken on although and I, while I'm rec- weirdly recommending podcasts about race uh Rennie Edo Lodge also has a, a podcast about race which is about UK race and so UK white people listen to that learn about that um anyway weird digression I'm <laughs> going to take it as an opportunity to check the time uh, literally 10 minutes before the cutoff point um so I guess I should ask you the second question that I ask you um, which is I hope you don't have 10 questions well no it's fine which is I mean I think we'll, we'll dispatch this question pretty quickly people okay. already know the answer to oh, it exactly. um what do you do now like job wise what you, what's, when, when someone asks you that question uh, what do you answer oh, I, fell, I fell into my own trap <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm writing a book um I am uh, trying to I'm trying to cry in front of my therapist because <laughs> that's what she really wants me to do and I reached a point where she almost got me and then I managed to get out of it and then I went aha you didn't get me she was like Sophie it's not a competition do you have a, <laughs> do you find it difficult to cry 
No, but in front of in her. Because I, I never cried in front of my therapist either. Yeah. I, can, I, I can cry so good in films. <laughs> I can cry really good in films. But give me a therapist. I just yeah. can't, can't, can't do it. When I'm alone, I can really, really weep. I mean, I spent a whole hour of therapy talking about what, like, why I cried at a BoJack Horseman episode. <laughs> uh, but I've never actually cried in front of you. Um, but, well, I hope you, hope yeah, you have better, so like, better to, luck with that. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to do That's my, my psychological... I've been hey. away for quite a lot. I've been travelling a lot, and I'm finally back in London. And I can, it's a relief just being home, having a base, and having... And I know this sounds like such a first-world problem of that, too, but that's, probably, that's problematic, isn't it? But, like, such a whiny thing of going, it's so hard changing hotel rooms every day. But it is hard, changing hotel rooms every day. I need a base. And I'm finally home, my own bed. It's beginning to be summer. Every single summer I remember, I realise how sad I've been in the winter. And I've bought the SAD lamps and I've done that whole, it doesn't work. I need to leave the country for a month. I need to in the winter and it's just not happening and it should happen. Uh, so now again, I just put up like a, f- trying to make a travel, um, What's it called? Fund? Not a fund. Like a savings. A savings account <laughs> to go away for a month. I so cannot, you can follow the sun. Yeah, I cannot deal with the winter. It's just not good for me. Like considering how happy I am yeah. now, like it's interesting, isn't it? Because I like I always used to think I hated the summer, kind of, but I don't. I mm. like it does make me happier. I just don't like direct heat, but that makes me angry. I used to hate the summer because I could never show my arms or uh, I couldn't my thighs would be chafing Uh, but now that I don't give a fuck (laughs) I can wear whatever I want and it's actually fine also with shoes shoes was always a big uh, struggle because I would only wear the one pair of shoes I could find and now that I've succumbed to being okay with wearing clacks the favourite shoes amongst nurses uh, I can just walk comfortably (laughs) and I don't really care that they're not Whatever, yeah, I think a lot of my issues with summer has been like, yeah, like if you just like worked out how to live easier and yeah. like just live how you want to live, like wear what you want to wear. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would, but like definitely like it's come to my attention that winter is really hard to get through. Yeah. Uh, in a way that I never used to understand because I used to be a tortured artist and I didn't know I had mental yeah. health issues. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you today. Like, uh, I, d- I didn't know like how it would go. Like, if I would manage to even form a sentence, <laughs> uh, I seem to have done okay. Um, <laughs> the last question that I ask everybody is: uh, Do you have anything to plug? Oh yeah, um, I think my the main thing because I, I do so much. I have a podcast made of human. I'll be going on a book tour. Blah blah blah. But so basically, you'll listen to this. At, it could be any point in the future so what I would say that I will always be able to do is like join my newsletter sign up for my newsletter sofiehagen.com s-o-f-i-e-h-a-g-e-n.com forward slash newsletter because I will send them out there's not a single show that it will not be uh, advertised from the newsletter where if you follow me on Twitter which you should also do you'll miss those messages and if you follow me on Facebook you'll just see a bunch of horrible trolls <laughs> Instagram I don't really plug things so newsletter and I overshare in them I talk I just tell way too many secrets because I don't think anyone reads them uh, yeah so sign up for my newsletter I think it's there brilliant um, and yeah I should say for background sound fans we're in like a little room uh, in a kind of public cafe thing that's 
I don't even know if I'm going to like. Well, don't I'm, tell them. Don't I'm tell not going to tell you where it is. So no, I want to keep it uh, <laughs> as a place for the future. But there's no there's no uh, glass in the windows and the doors. So the sounds that you've heard have been kind of like music and uh, traffic and stuff because uh, we're in London. Yeah. Uh, so people who like that, uh, <laughs> that's for you. People who hate it. We'll listen to a different podcast. <laughs> Bit late now, anyway. If, if you've made it this long and you haven't liked it, then I guess you really, really appreciate Sophie. In oh, which thank case, you. that's great. I, I, Sorry for I, being I, on such I, a shit podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing I ask my guests uh, to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Oh, goodbye, guys. Oh, sorry. Goodbye, people. <laughs> I think that sums it up, doesn't it? Bye, everyone. <laughs> If you're interested in hearing about masculinity and what patriarchy does to men and to all people, if you go to the Unbound website, and there'll be a link to this in the show notes, you can find Mansplaining Masculinity over there and pre-order a copy of that book. Unbound is a kind of cross between a publishing company and a crowdfunding company, which means that the way that the books get published is that people who want to read the books pre-order those books they can pre-order them as a digital copy or as a hardback or they can pledge more money to get different kinds of things along with the book that they're pre-ordering you can find all of that stuff over on mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk if you're interested in reading about me and my dad and our relationship and dementia and memory and time and history and politics and love and friendship check out my essay series down to a sunless sea memories of my dad as well as making getting better acquainted i also co-produce and i guess star in the magical realist audio drama podcast the family tree in order to keep making it and to make season two as good as we want it to be we need your help so if you can afford to then please do consider signing up to our patreon appeal you can follow getting better acquainted on twitter at gba podcast you can like getting better acquainted on facebook and you can find getting better acquainted on itunes soundcloud those kind of places And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted.